of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to give you a little bit of insider baseball information about reading the narrative of Jesus found in the four Gospels as we have received them. Much of this stems from the type of literature that the Gospels are, as opposed to the epistles that cover the majority of the New Testament or the books of prophecies that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures. And the tip is this. Look at the verbs. Look at the verbs. They sometimes point to what the author of the gospel is finding important or what he wants you to grasp. In today's reading, there is a verb that makes its appearance many times and in various tenses and usage, and the word is see. We have the word as see, saw, seen, and even the closely related action words watched and looked. It is these words that not only help propel the story forward, but they also help us to literally see what St. John is pointing us to. Seeing is important to St. John. It is this gospel that has the subtle writing about light and darkness scattered throughout the story. Nicodemus comes at night to see Jesus, followed in the next chapter by the Samaritan woman who talks with Jesus at the well at noonday to Judas not only having his feet washed by Jesus at the Last Supper, but then leaving the meal after Satan had entered his heart with the ominous and rather terrifying line, and it was night. Here, John is pointing to not only John the Baptist's recognition of the Lamb of God, But the curiosity of Andrew and another of John's disciples is revealed that they literally and figuratively are seeing Jesus for who he is. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one anointed by the Spirit descending on him. In the midst of this story, we are given the first words as spoken by Jesus in the Gospel of St. John. It isn't the fiery, the time has come and the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Repent and believe the good news. That's what we find in Mark. Nor is it the 12-year-old Jesus in the temple asking his worried and anxious parents, Did you not know that I must be about my father's affairs? That's Luke's gospel of the first words of Jesus. Instead, we have an invitation from Jesus to two disciples of John the Baptist. Come and see. Come and see. Something that we need to understand about this invitation is while while John records it being spoken by Jesus to two disciples, this is an invitation For us, for the world, removed from this episode by the distance of 2,000 years of history. But it's still the same invitation. Come and see. Come and see. Today, following this liturgy, we will be having our annual parish meeting, where there will be some formal remarks by various members of the vestry and the parish. Part of what we are doing in this meeting is looking into our recent past and seeing 
all the things that God Almighty has accomplished through this place during the last year. And then with an eye cast forward into the future, we will be looking for God's guidance in this next year, perhaps even the next decade. And I think, I believe we ought to take up the mantra, come and see what wonderful things are happening right here, right now. It's a message to a world torn by strife and division. Come, come and see. Each Wednesday evening, we begin our adult forum with the question, where did you see God at work this week? And while it's a good onboarding question to get us ready to discuss what we have been reading, the real reason I ask the question over and over and over again is because we need to train ourselves to actually see and recognize God at work in this world and in our lives and in the lives of the people of this community. It's like this. I, <clears throat> I am a terrible arrowhead hunter. I've never found one. There are times I have been with someone who is good at finding them, and we can walk over the same path and see the exact same things, but somehow I miss the arrowhead because I'm not trained very well at how to look for them, at what signs are around that arrowheads might just be there. But I might see things that they don't see, like a deer in the brush, camouflaged in the growth. We need to train ourselves, and we need to help each other as well to learn and to see and to recognize what it looks like when God is active. It's praying for months or years for someone to seek help because of alcohol, drugs, gambling, pornography, and one day, they do. It's praying for a grandchild to be baptized. And when it looks like all hope is lost, things move miraculously as if it was always meant to happen that way. It's the healing of the darkness that encroaches on the soul of our best friends. Or it's the despair over the loss of a spouse that begins to heal. It isn't always about mountains moving and cosmic signs in the heavens. It's about seeing that person who is standing right in front of you, having a personal victory that only God can accomplish, and the prayers of the church could assist in. Come, come and see. Come and see. The world has an agenda that pushes and shoves until it believes it has shoved God out, pushed God back into the heavenly cosmos where he belongs. Conquests, the Enlightenment, modern philosophy, New Age spirituality, humanism, they all try to solve the problems of this world and they all fall short. Just look at the world right now, January 15th, 2023. We have migrants from Central and South America flooding our borders in hope of a new and better life here. 
We have civilians and non-combatants, women and children no less, young and old, being bombed to hell and back in Ukraine all to fulfill some despotic dictator's dream of empire and conquest and looking for a new people to subjugate. In Iran, thousands of protesters are being arrested, some tortured literally to death, and now summary judgments and executions are taking place in the name of religious fundamentalism who consider women and other people little better than dogs. Pakistani Christians have had to flee their homeland only to settle in Thailand, and they're being rounded up and arrested and executed or starved to death. Think about here in the U.S., the corruption of government, both here and abroad, or corruption in business and the engines of our economic stability. Corruption in the church with financial malfeasance and sexual scandals that should make every Christian cry out because the young and the vulnerable were preyed upon by the clergy. We see all of this today, and the world sees it too. And the world, in its confuzzlement, answers out, we need more guns, we need more bombs, we need more laws, we need more money, we need more studies, we need more oversight, we need more, more, more. And the church says, come and see the truth. Come and see. Come and meet the one who says, I am the way and the truth and the life. Come and see Jesus. In conversations with several of you, there's a phrase that sometimes gets used in various ways. And it's something like this. Well, we're nothing but a small country church. And I usually want to say something, but, but I don't. But today I am, because you see, we are not a small country church just look at the room we're in this is not a small country church and the image of the church in the wildwood a place where only sweet and precious things happen and everything is sunshine and roses we are not that we are part of the one holy catholic and apostolic church and that means that we are Christ's presence in this world. There are several images of the church that have been used to explain who we are and what we are to be about. One of my favorite is that we, the church, we're the lifeboat of the world. An ark like Noah's ark. We are sent out by Jesus to recover people drowning in the chaos of this world. To rescue people who have no hope. And to bring them back to Jesus so he can revive them and fill them with hope. Another image that I love of the church is the field hospital in a war-torn world. 
We are the stretcher bearers who risk life and limb amidst the bombs and the gunfire to bring in the dying and the wounded, the ones torn by strife and sin of this world. And we bring them back to the hospital, to Jesus, to the great physician, because only he can heal them, make them whole, put them back to rights. And the third image, and this one we must be careful with, is that we are the church militant, the army of God in this world. But we aren't the army who goes out to slay the evils of this world. That's Jesus' role. Instead, we are there to protect and to shield the poor and the hungry, the destitute, the literal widows and orphans who have no one else to turn to while Jesus conquers the world and the flesh and the devil. We are the parish church of St. Christopher's. And as many of you know, Christopher means Christ-bearer. And our icon just here, tells the story of this saint bearing Christ across a raging river. It's in our very name. We are the church of the Christ bearers. It is incumbent upon us to take Christ, to bear Christ out into this world. What an honor. What a high calling this is for us. And nonetheless, with Christopher as our patron. But always remember, Christopher did not take Christ into a nice meadow for a picnic, singing, and he walks with me and he talks with me. Christopher didn't gently swim across the lake and decided to while the day away with Jesus as his friend. Christopher took Jesus into a very dangerous place and survived only because of Jesus' saving presence with him. Now, I don't like to do this sort of thing because I think it comes off a little gimmicky. But today, I think this is the time to do something like this. Church of the Christ bearers, I, as your priest, I am asking you to invite five people during the course of this year to literally come and see God at work here. Five, just five people. All of us know people who are hurting, who are broken and in the depths of sin and despair. Family members, friends, Maybe even somebody on the street that you have felt drawn to. And then once you've issued that invitation, come and see. And have told them to come. Then pray for them for the year. Each day. Can you do this? You see, it isn't about building a bigger church membership so we can meet our budget. Nor is it about building a larger parish so that we can say we're bigger than our neighbors down the street. 
And it is most definitely not about having a climbing average Sunday attendance so that the numbers look really good in the bishop's office. It's about serving Jesus. Welcoming people who know him not. And inviting them to come and to see how gracious the Lord is. St. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, speaks of his desire for all Jews and Gentiles to be saved, to call upon the name of the Lord. And he begins this wonderful exposition on God's faithfulness, which in many ways is a rallying cry for the church to be about her, her mission. And while he does not use come and see language here, he does ask the great questions as to how the church is to fulfill that role. St. Paul writes, But how are they, those outside of the church, how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? My dear friends, we are sent each and every week from this place during this, our Eucharistic liturgy, with the final words spoken at that altar, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Or let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. We, we are the ones who are sent. We are the ones who must say to this world, come. And see. So, I ask you, holy people of God, will you commit and pledge yourself this year to be in a Christ-bearing commun- uh, bearer to this community, inviting those outside of this church to come and see God in action and at work in this place? And the people of God say, then may the Lord, who has given us the will to do these things, give us the courage and the zeal to accomplish it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.